Break the Cycle with DST, episode number 27. Today's episode is brought to you by hypnosisdownloads.com. Hypnosis Downloads offers over 1,000 self-hypnosis MP3 audio files in areas that help with social anxiety, relationships, self-confidence, and more. You can learn more about them and support the channel by visiting www.dadsurvivingdivorce.com slash hypnosis. The information in this show is my opinion and for informational and educational purposes only. Please consult a medical or psychological professional before making any changes that could affect your mental health. In today's show, I have Chris Bute, who runs the YouTube channel, The Rewired Soul. Chris's channel is focused on addiction and mental health, and he pulls trending topics from YouTube to talk about the problem, but focus on the solution. Chris and I have been planning on doing this collaboration for almost a year, and we were finally able to make it happen basically today. It's been one of those things we've just been struggling to do. So Chris has a unique view uh, as an addiction recovery specialist. He's been in that community for quite a while. And what I've found very fascinating is in a lot of conversations that we've had uh, on the channel and even in the comments, how much recovering from toxic relationships really parallels addiction and addictive behaviors. So I've been wanting to get Chris on for a long time to discuss the parallels of that, maybe provide some insight for people who haven't really had the experience with with addiction. Like for instance, for me, I mean, I don't drink, I don't take drugs, I don't do any of those type of things. So it's kind of, other than having family members who have been alcoholics, it's, it's one of those things where it's not really the world I live in. So I thought it would be really, really fascinating to, to, to sit down with Chris and talk about this. So let's just jump right into this, into this discussion with Chris, and I hope you guys really like it. Hey, Chris, welcome uh, to the channel, and thanks for taking the time to talk to me today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad we're finally able to link up. Yeah, for people who don't know, Chris and I have actually been talking for, God, I think it's almost a year, maybe even over a year, trying to find a time to talk about this. And just so, just as a little bit of background, I, 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 my, you know, my channel is about relationship recovery, and it seems there's a lot of parallels with addiction where people get really addicted to their ex. They, they just get mm-hmm. focused on that. And I really wanted to bring you on and get your perspective on that and, and your thoughts on, on how addiction looks, you know, what people could look out for. And can you actually be addicted to another person, to an ex, uh, ex-spouse, ex-girlfriend, uh, that mm-hmm. t- or ex-boyfriend? You know, I mean, how, yeah. does that, how, does that whole the, how does the whole addiction thing play out? Yeah, well, so actually tomorrow I'm celebrating seven years of sobriety and, you know, after, thank you. Thank you. And after, you know, not only my own recovery and working at a drug and alcohol treatment center, there's a lot of things that intertwine with it. And one of them is love addiction or sex addiction or even codependency, right? Like for example, you know, a lot of, a lot of addicts, get into codependent relationships where that in itself is like an addiction where one person is addicted to the other person. Exactly. And a lot of, a lot of this stuff, like the treatment center I was working at, you know, we did a lot of therapy there and getting down to, you know, the root of what it is because sometimes it's stemming from our childhood, right? The father wasn't there or the mother wasn't there, depending on what the situation is. And then we're, we're, we're looking for that, not even just looking for it, but craving it and needing it. Right. And yeah, when we become adults and that's typically what I see with adults and why they keep going back to exes. So my experience was 
I was the son of an alcoholic mom. Um, she's been sober going on 14 years now. But as a child, I didn't have my mom's love and attention and affection the way I wanted. So what happened later in life was when I started dating, you know, high school, early 20s and things like that, I was looking for broken women who I could fix who would give me the love and attention that my mom wouldn't give me. Right. Like, right. It's something that I craved from childhood. So that was my experience and how I got addicted to women. And I had huge fears of abandonment and being alone and all that stuff too. So let me ask you this on this. I'm, I'm, so that's, I mean, that honestly, what you just said parallels a lot with what a lot of the people on my channel um, deal with a lot of codependency and that type of thing. Did you ever have an experience where, you know, whenever that, when a relationship would end where you were still kind of connect or wanted that connection with the other person and were trying and I mean, oh, couldn't, yeah. like, get them. It is. It like, <laughs> like, when didn't it happen? Like, I, I wasn't like, thank God I found my beautiful girlfriend. We've been together for over two years now. But before that, like, I, I had this, this habit of going back to exes. And okay. it's something, it's something now that I try to teach people to avoid and things and things like that. Um, but yeah, it was like, from what I've seen, not only from my experience, but working with a lot of people who tend to do that, it's a few things. Okay. Right? One of them is how our brain minimizes the suffering, right? That we were enduring, right? Our brain says it wasn't that bad. And that yeah. is probably where this is really close to addiction. Because for example, when it comes to drugs and alcohol, the reason a lot of people relapse is they start romanticizing it and they start, they start thinking it wasn't that bad. You know what I mean? Like they forget all the terrible things that happened and they, they only remember like the good times. Oh, we partied and we had fun. And that's the same thing with relationships. Like you forget about the verbal abuse, maybe even the physical abuse. You forget about those things and you, you remember the, the honeymoon phase or you remember the anniversaries. And that's typically why a lot of people go back. I know that's why I used to too. Now I'd go back and I'd be like, oh my God, they're, they're the exact same person. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's super common. So on that, I mean, okay. So when somebody is in that stage and, and, and what you just said, I mean, totally parallels a lot with what, I mean, my own personal story and for different folks on, on my channel that, uh, you know, they can't, it's almost like they can't stop themselves. I mean, I'll get messages every once in a while where I had, and then this is what kind of brought this back up is I had someone write a comment basically who, which said, I feel like I'm addicted to the ex. I, I, I know that they're bad, but I, I want that connection. I, I want them to respond. I want to hear from them. And mm -hmm. so what would you say to somebody who's struggling with that? I mean, to, on how they can process that to, I mean, I guess recognize reality. I mean, what, yeah. what's, what's well, the way forward on that? So there's, there's there's a few things on that like one of one of them like what helped me break that cycle was like i, I learned how to keep people in my life who tell me what the, i need to hear and not what i want to hear right like right. a support group where like i like because my mind will romanticize it and remember all the good times but like my friend or family member who knew how toxic that relationship was they'll remind me of all the crazy things that happened right but the the thing that helped me out the most and i teach this to a lot of people and it's something that i learned in recovery was i stayed single for a very long time see what i what i realized about myself and i've seen a lot of people when they get honest with themselves they they realize it too is you know this 
intense fear of being alone, right? Like we would rather endure the pain of a toxic relationship than being alone and having that fear that we're gonna die alone and nobody's ever gonna love us, right? And when uh, when people get first get sober, they recommend not dating for your first year, right? And I didn't date for my first year and a half. So when I when I finally got into a relationship, it still wasn't like uh, uh, the perfect relationship. I, I still had what they call a broken picker, right? <laughs> but it was it was better than my old ones. You know what I mean? So right. like I was moving, I was definitely moving in the right direction. But I think the number one thing anybody can do is learn to be comfortable being alone. Like when you when you learn how to not need somebody else in your life, like that is empowering, right? Because what I found is, is that when we're so desperate for attention or that love or affection, we lower our bar and we're more likely to put up with all sorts of crazy stuff, right? But I took that year and a half to work on myself and loving myself and it got to a point where I'm like, wait, I don't deserve to be treated like that anymore. You see what I mean? Because I wasn't afraid, I, I got through that fear, I wasn't afraid to be alone anymore. One of the things that, uh... That's that's an excellent point. I'm glad you're saying this. And I mean, it's, it's interesting that we're, we're we're basically in two different niche niche areas on on YouTube, and mm-hmm. what you're saying is is spot on with what I say. I mean, it's it's about because whenever you get to the point that that you can be okay alone, you can build better boundaries because you don't mm-hmm. need somebody else in your life. You know, you you know, you want someone in your life to complement it, but then when you don't need it, then you can sit there and and say, you know what, this is this is toxic. This isn't this isn't healthy. And I'm okay mm-hmm. with myself because I've healed myself or I'm on, on that path to healing and, mm-hmm. and, and uh, be able to put, I mean, to basically have good boundaries. And that's yeah, what it comes and, down to. And the beautiful part about that is too, is like, like I said, so my, my girlfriend and I, we've been together for over two years now. And one of the reasons our relationship has worked so well is because like we love each other, right? We live together now. You know, my son loves her. My my my. Luckily, she gets along with like my son's mom and everything. But from day one, when we got together, like we didn't need each other, right? Like we didn't like smother each other with attention because when we first started dating, we lived on two completely opposite sides of town. And any other woman I, I had dated in the past, it would have been like, come see me every day or call me every minute or anything like right. that. But like, oh, whoops, my. My Apple Watch. <laughs> but anyways, like um, she's okay with her space. I'm okay with mine. Like she yeah. can go watch stuff on TV. I can, you know, do my YouTube thing or play video games. And like, so, so yeah, developing that own, like, like that, that self-worth, that self-love being okay. You know, I'm able to be in a relationship with her where I'm not like nagging her 24 seven, like show me love, show me attention. You know what I mean? So how do you, so how would you recommend somebody who is, let's say they're just out of a relationship and they and they're in the part where they're still mm. so two parts right so the first part is is you're still you're still focused you're still what well, we call it trauma bond you're still bonded to that other person so you're focused mm-hmm. on everything they're doing and and you're wanting and, and in my opinion you're still kind of in that mode to where you're wanting that validation from the other person so you're wanting them to acknowledge you so mm-hmm. what's your recommendation on how to deal with that so it's it's definitely a few things one thing one thing that I've, I've just noticed, and this is part of just the human condition, right, is that we don't like suffering. We don't like pain. We don't like physical pain. We don't like emotional pain. And, like, if there's anything that I, I learned and I try to teach others is like this. A breakup is supposed to hurt. A breakup is supposed to suck. You're yeah. supposed to feel that pain, right? But 
because what happens is we try to avoid that pain by going back to that person or talking to that person, right? Like we need to learn how to just embrace that pain. Like when I started meditating, like I've been meditating for about five years now, and it taught me to just accept the emotions that I'm feeling and not try to run away from them because that wow. was my problem my whole life was I was trying to, I was turning to drugs and alcohol to run away from my feelings, right? And then I was turning to women to run away from my feelings and whatever it was. So like now I can sit and just be with my feelings. So when I, when I, um, have friends who are going through breakups or clients I worked with going through breakups. The first thing I teach them is it's supposed to hurt, right? Like, yeah, that's I, a good once point. that, once that clicks for people, then they're like, okay, this is normal. Like people are like, Oh my God, I can't stop crying. I'm like, good. Like some, yeah. you know, some therapists will tell you like, this is, this is like going through grief and loss. You're losing something that was there. No matter mm -hmm. how toxic your relationship was, it was part of your routine. It was a person in your life, right. you know? So I think that that is the first step. No, you said something really interesting on that. And this is something that I, I do talk about too, is that you, you have to process those emotions because if you don't, if you, if you run away from or just hide from them, they will come back and bite you mm -hmm. another time. I mean, so I like what you were talking about with meditation. I hadn't thought about that, but, uh, you know, just to process that. That's interesting. Yeah. Like it, I, I never, like when people told me to start meditating, I'm like, that's ridiculous. Right. But when you could just sit with your feelings and your emotions and not have to, you know, whether it's drugs, alcohol, whether it's sex, love, whether it's food, whether it's gambling, right? Like we're always trying to find something to distract ourselves from just feeling our emotions. So once you learn how to just sit and be with your emotions, like you feel kind of like a badass, like you feel empowered. You know what I mean? You're like, oh wow, like I can get through this. And since I've been doing it for a while, like I'm no longer afraid of these feelings because I know they're gonna pass. I know that they're just feelings, they're just emotions, right? And it also helps with impulse control. So, you know, a lot of people when they get that urge to message or text the ex yeah. or whatever it is, they can, they can slow down and pause and really think it through, you know? You know, it's interesting you say this, and, and, and I just want to throw this out there because w when I was really struggling with this, I, I got to the point, and, I, and I, what I did, I mean, we talked about this before, but uh, I mean, just to cover this, I mean, I, I, I don't drink, I don't take drugs. I mean, I've mm -hmm. never, you know, I mean, probably in the, I'm 49, 48 years old. I mean, I think I've maybe had, you know, a couple of tastes. I mean, like a sip of something, you know, like maybe That's five why you look so times. great for your age. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> But when, when I was really struggling with this, what I actually did is I'm like, I'm like, this feels like an addiction. It's like, I am addicted to my ex. And I mm -hmm. used to, what I would do, if I would sit there with my, with my little phone and I'm like, okay, I could look, I got my phone out of the screen, but, but I could look, <laughs> I could look at her. I mean, I could try to look at, at what she's doing on social media. And then I would literally make a deal with myself and I would say, okay, yes, you can look but let's, let's do it later. Let's not do it now. Let's wait a couple of hours and do it. And then a couple hours later, I, you know, I would feel the urge again and I'm like, and I would make another deal with myself. Okay, well you can look, but let's look tomorrow. And some, I mean, I know it sounds crazy, but I literally, that, and I, to me that seems like some, you know, I mean, it almost felt like, wow, if I was an alcoholic, you know, I mean, I'd be making the same damn deal about having it, a drink. It's, it, it's so funny because uh, I go and I speak at a rehab every week and I was just telling the clients that, that like, that's wow. how it is. Like you, you literally 
procrastinate. I remember when I first got sober, I was taught, I, I teach people that I would procrastinate my drinking or using. I say, okay, wow. just don't do it now. Do it an hour from now. And then that hour would come up like, okay, wait another hour, wait another day. Right. But yeah, it's that, it's that same thing. And like when it used to be me, like back in the day and I'd obsess over exes and want to check their social media or whatever it was like, I'd have to recognize I'd have to recognize what I was doing. I'd have to recognize the oh, justifications yeah. I was making to do it. And then I would look at it and it would hurt, right? It would hurt or I'd get the urge to message them. But then I'd have to like kind of laugh at myself and be like, you knew that was coming. Like, what did you think was going to happen? You know what I mean? But, um, but yeah, um, you know, if you look at it like an addiction, it is like this kind of, cold turkey thing and it's crazy because as you were mentioning social media i think like 10 20 years ago that's not even an issue right like all you had was you can call them or maybe not drive by their house yeah Yeah. exactly so like now we're just we have so much access like me personally like i have just an addictive personality in all ways shapes and forms so i have to set up you know, my own personal blocks and boundaries on a lot of things. And whether that's, you know, with people blocking them, removing them from my phone or whatever it is. Like when people get sober, we teach them to take their drug dealers out of their cell phone or whatever it is, right? A lot of people are like, oh my God, I don't want to do that. Like, what if they, you know? And it's just like, just get get rid of it, you know? Um, It's kind of like this cold turkey thing. So you're not even tempted to do that. Well, and you talk about making excuses. I, I mean, around that time, the, and, and it's funny with what, I mean, it's actually surprising the parallels with what you were saying, because mm-hmm. I remember initially what I would do, I would say, well, I need to look because at the time we were actively going through the divorce and the custody battle. And I would convince myself, well, I need to look because I need to know what's coming next. You know, maybe mm-hmm. I'll get a glimpse of what she's doing. And, and what, and it's, it's absolutely right with what you said, because every time I saw something, it just, it hurt. It, it mm-hmm. was, all it did was hurt me. And, yeah. and for, I mean, and there was a period of time where I was doing that. I mean, this wasn't one of those things where I, you know, figured all this out, you know, in a week or two. I mean, this was a prolonged, difficult process, you know, and there were times I relapsed. There were times where I, I would say, well, mm-hmm. you can look later. And I would say, fuck it. I'm going to, sorry, I'm going to look now. And, yeah. and I mean, it's, it's really surprising how much this, this really follows or patterns, the patterns of addic- of addiction. Yeah. And like, that's, I think, I think what, what you mentioned, like, like it's important for us to just simply recognize when I do this, it hurts. Right. Yeah. Like when we recognize that it like ingrains itself into our memory and we remember for the next time, it's like touching the hot stove. Right. Yeah. But some of us, we just go through the motions and we're not, realizing it because like for example when you quit alcohol or drugs like i had to get honest with myself i had to get honest with myself and say every time i drink or use a drug something bad happens right i just had to be honest with that so like now like now like uh you know i'm you know in the last seven years i've experienced a lot of stuff i've had you know obviously you know breakups i've had um people die you know i've had so many things i've had financial issues job issues and everything but now i know in my mind like turning to drugs or alcohol isn't going to make anything better it's going to make things worse right but it's because i've replayed that tape a million times in my head and i recognize okay chris every time you did that 
it turned out bad. But I think the other issue that a lot of us suffer with just as people is instant gratification. Like it's something you see obviously with addiction, but for example, when you go through a breakup, we want the pain to stop now, right? Oh, we God, want, yeah. you know, and uh, if it's not if it's not gone now, then we might as well just message them or talk to them. We have to realize, like like you said, it is a process. It takes time, you know. Yeah, it's interesting you say that. I was I was talking with somebody about that earlier. That it's actually basically what you just said that 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 you want it. You want you want to be at the other side of this tomorrow and it's almost like you know embrace the process and forge through it and know that you will get there it just takes time to do it but you're right i mean and you don't you want the pain i mean I, you're right i wanted the pain to go away i wanted i wanted uh you know it not to be there to not be true you know i mean, I, I read this amazing book it's called uh, lost connections by Johan hari it's about depression and anxiety but Anyways, there's a part in the book where he talks about, you know, grief, right? And just losing, like, someone actually dying, right? But mm -hmm. what they what he said made a lot of sense in all aspects. But basically what he was talking about is to want these feelings to go away immediately is disrespectful to love as a whole, right? Like, we're not honoring what love is, right? Even if we mm -hmm. fell in love with the wrong person, we're, we're disrespecting those feelings for wanting to go away so quickly, like it hurts because love is such a powerful thing. It's supposed to hurt, you know, like that is just part of life. Like, you know, in getting in relationships, there's this, the risk is worth it in most cases, once you find the right person or whatever, but right. we need to realize like love is, you know, the two most powerful emotions we experience are love and hate. Right. So to expect those feelings to just kind of, you know, you spend a year, two years, three years, you have a child or children with a person, you expect that to just go away in a day, a week, a month, like, uh, -uh it's going to take some time, you know? Yeah, exactly. That's a really great point. And I mean, in my situation, it was a 20 year marriage. And there's a lot mm. of people on the channel on my channel that are 10, you know, 20, really? 30 years. I mean, it's, a, it's, and, and the amazing part is, is that even somebody who has a really short term, like, let's say maybe they only had a, a one year relationship or even less that trauma associated with it it's like everyone goes through the same process you know i mean mm -hmm. obviously if you're married and and there's there's other issues that that make it more complicated but mm -hmm. it, it it has it has surprised me how it doesn't matter it's like everyone's journey in the beginning that pain is all the same yeah for sure and that's that's something i learned in my addiction recovery too is you know although my story isn't the same as everybody else's they can relate to the pain and suffering that I've been through, right? Because I think one of the things that holds a lot of us back from healing is to think that our pain and our suffering is unique, right? Like when you get down mm. to the details, yes, you know? Like, um, you know, I had a girlfriend who, you know, wrecked my car, right? But like, maybe you had a girlfriend who wrecked your house, you know, whatever it is. But either way, we had these things happen to us. So those little details, are not such a big deal. And I think it's important to recognize that because once we realize that we're not the only ones who have been through it, you know, we're not alone in this thing. Right. And that's what I love about, you know, just 12 step programs for my recovery is just seeing other people be proof like, Hey, it's not going to suck forever. You know? <laughs> so that's, that's really beneficial to me. 
It's funny you say that because that's something I do say a lot. It's like it may, it, you know, it may be bad now, but it's not going to be this way forever. What you feel oh, yeah. today is not going to be forever. And I think a lot of people get stuck in that mode where they think it is. They think that this pain is never going to go away. Yeah. I, I think like when when I was still in the dating world, like what helped me kind of deal with bad relationships and things like that, like part of my experience was I had a high school sweetheart and I thought we were going to get married and everything like that. And end of senior year broke up with me out of nowhere, broke my heart. And I remember being 18 years old thinking life is over. I'm never going to love again and all these, you know, and. How long did it take? Like, it took some time, but I don't even think about that girl anymore. You know what I'm saying? So I have to remind myself, and this is why I advocate for people to journal or even like use a mood tracking app or whatever, to to see like you have documented proof, like you do not feel this way forever, right? You will not feel this this pain. And, And when it comes to loss, like whether it's the loss of a relationship or a loss of a person, like, yeah, you may still sting a little bit, from that forever, but the intensity is going to go down, you know? That's, I, I, I liked your advice on the journaling and even that mood app. And, I, and I've used, mm-hmm. I've told people that, that too, to, to, to look for the little, imp- I call them like micro improvements, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it's like the suckage gets less. And even if yep. it's like you got to, you know, I mean, if it's like at one point, it's all just dark. But as soon as you start seeing like even a couple of minutes of light, focus on, you know, yes, it is getting it is getting better. And then before you know it, well, maybe not before you know it, but after a while, it's like, you know, you know, instead of a full week yeah. of nightmare, it's like a couple of days are OK. Then, you know, the week is OK. Then, you know, I mean, it gets to the point to where the darkness, I guess, comes in far less often. Yep. Exactly. Because that's just one of the reasons why I I pay so much attention to my mental health is because our brains love dealing in these absolutes, right? It loves saying never or it loves saying forever, right? It says, I'm going to feel this way forever or I'm never going to find love or whatever it is. And just documenting it, it's like, oh, wait, no, this day didn't suck as bad. You know what I mean? Um, But hell, like, you know, when I, when I teach people about sobriety and stuff, I remember when I first got sober, I was still a hot mess. I was still a crazy person, anger issues, all sorts of stuff. But people taught me like, as long as you don't pick up a drink or a drug that day, like at least congratulate yourself for that. And when it comes to distancing yourself from an ex, like, you know, even if it hurt, even if your day didn't go that great, like if you didn't pick up the phone and reach out to them or whatever, you know, go back to one of those old behaviors, like congratulate yourself for that. Like that, that is a big deal. You know, if you're breaking any type of toxic behavior. That's a good point. One of the things I, I'm not, I don't know if you've heard this term, but in, in the community for the narcissistic abuse recovery community, one of the techniques they often talk about is no contact. Have you ever heard of that? Mm-mm. Okay. On me. So w- w- the premise behind it is, is that, you know, to get away from the toxic person, you, you basically want to go no contact. Now, the problem that a lot of people have is, is, you know, they just think, okay, well, I won't contact a person, but then they'll be thinking about them all the time and, you know, looking at old pictures and, and reading mm. old love letters and whatever. And it's like, you really have to purge that, that, that toxicity or that, that person out of your life to the, to give you some breathing room to really, 
you know, start to try to work on yourself. But mm -hmm. a lot of people don't get it and they'll, and they'll be like, well, I'm going no contact, but I'm looking at their Facebook all the time, or I'm, I'm, you know, looking at our old Instagram photos, or I'm, you know, looking at our, our, you know, our dating pictures, or, I mean, they're just torturing themselves. And I have to say, you know, Hey, it's, it's, that's not, you know, that's not no, I mean, that's not using that technique correctly. You're basically yeah. purging it out of your mind, you know, to give you, give yeah. you some distance from it. Absolutely. And yeah, and that's the thing, like, I, I think about that, you know, just with addiction, right? Like, if I kept drugs in my house, I'm like, I'm just not I'm not gonna use them. I'm just gonna stare at them. Yeah. Like, I'm torturing myself. I'm like, yeah. purposely torturing myself, right? And it's hard. It's difficult. Like, but yeah, we gotta purge that stuff and just get rid of it. And I'll tell you right now. So like, um, a couple months ago, I was just having like a difficult mental health time and, you know, a lot of stuff going online and everything. And I actually went out and downloaded some apps. Um, I downloaded one called moment and one called freedom where it would legit, <laughs> it'll legit block websites from you looking at them. Right. Really? Like, like there's ways to get around it, but you feel like a real a-hole. Like when you, you know, <laughs> you like go around it to like look at something, no, but like, good. if you don't, if you don't trust yourself, it's kind of like, you know, if you're going to drink, like you give somebody else your keys or whatever it is, like it will, though there it's 2019, there are apps that help keep you safe from yourself. You know, it, it's fine. I didn't know that. I didn't know about those apps. That's awesome. I mean, what I ultimately did is uh, I deleted the, the apps off my phone, right? I took Facebook off my phone. I took, uh, well, mainly it was Facebook, but, but I didn't, yeah. hadn't moved into the other stuff. So, and I, you know, on my computer, I turned the, uh, I, you know, I deleted all the shortcuts and, and forgot the passwords and, and just made yeah. it to where it's like, okay, if I'm going to look, I have to actively, you know, exactly. do, you know, do it. I mean, just make it not, not so damn easy to, uh, to do it. I mean, mm -hmm. that's interesting how you were talking about that. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, no, go ahead. No, I was saying, so what would you recommend for somebody? I mean, okay. So let's say, let's say somebody is, is at that stage to where that pain is just red hot and they're fighting this type of thing. I mean, what would you recommend to somebody who is, especially on a relationship side, who is just, they can't get their ex out of their head. What, what would you recommend that they do? Um, a few things like something, you know, like when I teach people meditation, like one of the one of the biggest misconceptions out there, and it's one that I had too, was that meditation is about stopping your thoughts, which it's not. It's about recognizing your thoughts and not letting them oh, okay. carry carry away with you, right? So, say for example, like you know that your ex pops in your mind. Our, our brains have fifty to seventy thousand thoughts per day, and most of them are repetitive. So things are going to just pop in. Like if I tell you not to think of a purple elephant, you're going to start thinking of a purple elephant, right? So, anyways, it's going to pop in, but you know. There's, there's people who let it pop in and then they, they start obsessing on it, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's what addiction does too. You start thinking about the drug, but then you start obsessing. You start thinking, how do I get it? Who do I talk to? Da, 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 right? So the first thing is to just know, know that these thoughts are gonna come, okay? But then there's just a million things to do. Like I love the procrastination method that you mentioned, like find things to keep yourself busy. Like when I'm teaching people about their own mental health, like the biggest thing I teach them is have a support group because our, our, our tendency when we get sad, when we get depressed is that we want to isolate. And the, the thing between our ears can be our worst enemy, right? So it's like locking ourselves in the room with a killer in a horror movie. We need to get out, we need to do something. So 
when I'm working with clients and things like that, whether it's, you know, drug addiction or getting over an ex or whatever it is, I try to help them develop some kind of schedule and find things that they like doing, things that are going to keep them busy. But like when you're just sitting there like binging Netflix all day and not doing anything, you're going to start obsessing about it when it's still that fresh in your mind. Like you have to find new things to do to replace that time, right? Especially like you mentioned, people have been with somebody for, you know, a decade even, like all of your routines were involving that person typically. So you have to retrain yourself to do things independently or with a different group of people. That's that's a that's a good set of advice. One of the things that was, as you were talking about that it made me think of when I was really struggling in my situation and I was going through therapy. I had, ther- I had an awesome therapist and mm-hmm. I, I encourage people to have a licensed therapist, especially yep. if they understand trauma recovery. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, I even turned to hypnosis files to try to undo that programming where mm where it was just like what you were talking about, those thoughts would get in my mind and it would just, it would like, they would race away and just send me down the, the abyss of hell. And uh, so I started just like binging these, these hypnosis files to try to reprogram, you know, um, talking about like letting things go, uh, uh, you know, uh, relation, you know, uh, unresolved relationships or whenever it's not reciprocated. And Mm -hmm. I, I have a technique that I've, um, I have some videos on that I, tell my people to that they'll be familiar with is like absolute thinking. It's like where you're telling your per, yourself, even if it's not, I mean, even if you don't know, it's not diagnosed or whatever, it's like, okay, this person is toxic or this person has a personality disorder. And you're just basically drilling it into your head to, to basically kind of get you through this phase of it. So you can start working on yourself, but it's, uh-huh. it's very interesting how you were talking about that. Yeah, no, for sure. And, and yeah, therapy, that's a huge one too, you know? Um, because sometimes that's even better than having a support group. Like I know for me, you know, therapy, especially it's getting somebody who doesn't know everything about the other person or doesn't know everything I've been through. It's been this completely, it's this completely like objective point of view, you know? Um, And that could be helpful because when you tell them about a relationship, even like sometimes it's, you know, I've talked to a therapist or, you know, um, in 12 step programs, we have a sponsor. I talked to them about like a working relationship or whatever. They're like, that's abuse. You know what I mean? Like sometimes we need somebody just completely outside of it. And because they can catch us talking and then just call us out on our BS and how we're lying to ourselves, you know, like, because a lot of times in abusive relationships, you know, like going back to that whole idea where we like, we forget about the bad and only think about the good. Like, we, we romanticize and we, we make up these stories and our brain lies to us. And, you know, for me, I recognize a lot of that had to do with my overall fear of being alone. And that's why my brain would try to do that. Like, like oh, what's yeah. interesting is, is for, for like, I'm a recovering um, painkiller addict. And what's interesting is like the brain will actually make you feel like you're in more pain to try to get you to use that drug. Right. And like, mm-hmm. I can imagine it's kind of like that with, you know, going back to an ex is trying to make you feel worse about being lonely to try to get you to get that connection with that person again. And we just got to recognize, you know, um, and delay that gratification because it can that's hurt a, us. That's amazing. I mean, I, as you're saying that, I'm like, I could absolutely see that that's exactly what I was doing. I mean, mm-hmm. and I can, even when I was looking to try to find information, I mean, I was hoping well, whatever. It was like, yeah, that whole thing of, you know, no one will ever love you. That was the best thing that ever you ever had. You'll never have anything else. And, 
And it just all these, this, this, like you're fighting your mind basically to, to, and it's trying to get you to do something that's not good for you. Yeah, exactly. And something that I, I learned, like, um, that I teach a lot of people and I always try to remind them is this, the more time you waste on the wrong person, that's time that could have been spent looking for the right person. You know I what love, I mean? I love that. That's and good. like, and that's the kind of stuff, like when I was back in my single days, man, when I was back in my single days after I learned to love myself and be alone and like, man, I did not put up with BS the same way because I didn't want to waste time. I'm like, if I wait, because something that I don't know if any of your viewers deal with this, but after we get out of a toxic relationship, we might hop into a new one, different person, you know, oh, absolutely. Same candy, different rapper. Right. So something I had to learn was like noticing those signs very early and being able to just get out of there. One of the things that happens often for people who, if they, if they don't recognize what they're dealing with is you'll have like an, an overt narcissistic person, you know, with the, you know, that normal type of thing and you'll find someone else and you're so focused on the, the trauma that was caused by this other person and this new person, you know, doesn't, doesn't yell at you. They don't, you know, they don't ignore you or they don't, you know, whatever. So you're like, Oh, okay. This person is okay, but it's a totally different type of, of toxic relationship. And it's like, you get re-traumatized. I mean, I would assume yeah. it'd be like, well, okay, I was drinking, but now I'm drinking, you know, something different or, or whatever. Yeah. And it's like, you, you kind of make an excuse that it's not quite the same thing. Yeah, something I, I try to teach people like what and it's what I learned too. like for when people are going back out there, it's to have this like they call it um, some therapists call it like an ideals list. Like what qualities do you want in that person? Right. Because what I found with a lot of people who get out of any kind of like abusive relationship, emotional, physical or whatever, we set our bar so low. Right. Like like I. Like I've seen, you know, like working in the drug and alcohol treatment center, I had many women who were in like physically abusive relationships. And like they would go and, and start dating a guy where you knew he was bad news, but they were like, oh, but he doesn't hit me. I'm like, yeah. is that what your bar is? Is your yeah. bar just at like not physical abuse? Like what else, right? Like does he, does he care about your interests and things like that? Like do you have a connection? But I see this a lot with people who get out of those relationships is their bar is way too low. And that's another reason why we need to say – single in a lot of cases just for a little bit to kind of get our bearings and say okay what do i want right it's not just about what you don't want it's like what do i want you know man it's interesting you say that because i, I think oftentimes people focus so much on like in relationships on red flags it's like okay what what is you know okay they're not beating me you know they're not uh, you know they're you know whatever and it, it really seems like there should be a pivot more to what are the green flags, right? What are the things that, that this relationship or this person needs to bring to the table? So you're yeah. not just making excuses for, well, they don't have this bad behavior. So I guess it's okay. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, so much of that goes back to just loving yourself. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. when they, when they told me a long time ago that you dated yourself a steam level, you know, it took me a while to realize about like, you're right. I am because Wait I don't say that again, say that again. Um, that you date at your self-esteem level. So when you got poor self-esteem, if you're not loving yourself, like you don't think you deserve better. You know, you think that all you deserve, this is the best that you deserve. That's why it's so important to start working on that and realize like, you know, 
there's there's certain things like when I teach people who are getting out of abusive relationships and stuff, like there's certain things where I'm like, nobody deserves to be treated like that, right? Like, because I've seen people go from a a physically abusive relationship into an emotionally abusive relationship, right? But you're going to allow that stuff to happen until you develop some self-esteem, some self-worth, some self-respect, you know, and all of that. And I had to learn that I I couldn't get back into a relationship until I learned how to do that. And then that's also what gave me the confidence to just be alone because I didn't need anybody anymore because I love myself, you know? That's, yeah, that's amazing. Uh, that's that's, that's a, um, a uh, topic that's oftenly discussed on my channel and it's critical, right? I mean, that is the critical step because whenever you're at that point, you won't put up with abuse and, mm-hmm. and you don't you don't need somebody. You want someone to enhance your life as opposed to the f- doing it in fear that, oh my God, I, I have to, you know, if I, if I set up a boundary and say something, they'll leave me or, or, you know, I used to, th- I mean, I used to do that. I would not have arguments with, with my, my spouse at the time because it's like, I, I'd be making this deal in my head. It's like, well, is it worth it to really, is it really that important? Is it really that big of a deal? I'll just let it go because, you know, if I stand up for this, maybe the relationship will end. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's and that, interesting. And that's why it's it's like even more important to like, once you are in the single phase and you start dating again, that's even more of a reason to start working on your boundaries because it's a lot easier to cut off a relationship when you guys have only been out on, on one or two dates, right? But once yeah. you've been dating for a while and everything, and then you're like, oh my God, am I gonna... Because that that's something else that happens too is you didn't set boundaries up in the beginning. So now how are you supposed to set them up later? Like that's actually something that my therapist brought up to me a long time ago was, you know, your boundaries have to be consistent, you know, or, or else like, you know, or else people are going to walk all over you because some days I let this slide. Some days I don't, you know, but I also try to think of it as it not being fair to another person, you know, just from my end, like if I set a boundary with you, Right, I need to maintain it, or it's not fair to you because then you're always playing that guessing game with me. Yeah, but, that's a good point. But, but yeah, like, I, uh, you know, when you when you see those red flags or you know the non-existent green flags, like, yeah. be ready to set up boundaries and say, hey, no, I don't, I don't like being talked to like that or whatever it is, you know. Well, th- thanks, Chris. I really appreciate this. How can people find out more information? Can you uh, t- where can people find more about you? Out about you? Super easy. YouTube channel, The Rewired Soul, Instagram and Twitter at The Rewired Soul. Easy stuff. Oh, and TheRewiredSoul.com. You can check that out too. Oh, there. All right. Yeah, I just started my own little podcast and whatnot, so I have links to that all over the website. So yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for for hanging out with us and sharing your wisdom on this. I really appreciate it. And hopefully uh, uh, my viewers have got something out of it and we'll check you out. So thanks a lot, Chris. Awesome. Thanks, man.